We will discuss on a particular health called orthopelvic physical therapy. I would love to introduce Dr. Kelly Alhui, who is a certified Pilates and yoga instructor, has practiced in Atlanta and Portland before moving to VA, which is Virginia, to be near her husband's family, has a precious golden doodle named Lulu, so cute, who is absolutely the sweetest, has much respect and passion for moms, despite not being one herself, a multi-talented Dr. Kelly, will discuss on prenatal and postpartum pelvic health care from her own practice, orthopelvic physical therapy. Without any further delay, let's introduce Dr. Kelly. Hi, Dr. Kelly. Hi, how are you guys? We're doing well. Dr. Kelly, before we begin on this journey of understanding what orthopelvic physical therapy is, let's hear a little bit about you. How did you get here? What inspired you to go into this practice? And what is the difference between orthopedics and physical therapy? Please. Yeah, these are great questions. And thank you so much for having me. My name is Dr. Kelly Alhui. I have been practicing now for 11 years. I practice in Atlanta, New York, Portland, Oregon, Southern California. And now we are here in Virginia. I originally got into this work. I was an orthopedic physical therapist coming out of school. And the number one diagnosis that I saw was chronic back pain. That's when I was like, you know what? There's all these muscles. It's something called the pelvic floor. No one's really assessing it. Like, let me get in there and let connect all the dots. So that's what I started doing. And I knew that this was a topic that a lot of people didn't want to talk about. They're uncomfortable talking about it. I even have my girlfriends like make fun of me for even diving into this. And now they all need my help. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I really started to just dive into it. And I've just practiced all around the US doing pelvic health and orthopedic. And that's why my company is called orthopelvic is because I really assess the orthopedic side, which is basically hip, knee, ankle, shoulder, any joint issue, neck, back, that would be an orthopedic side. The pelvic health side is more of, we call it the pelvic floor, which is basically anything of your pelvis and then anything that connects to that. So people don't really realize that your hip is also, those muscles of the hip are also in the pelvic floor region. The muscles around the spine of the back, that also connects to the pelvic floor region. In my eyes, it was like a no-brainer to say, well, hey, if this is kind of like the central area of where everything's kind of, everything's connecting into it, why are we really not targeting that? And I, I found this to be a big disconnect in the medical community is either the pelvic health therapist, very specifically, we're just strictly doing internal exams and looking at the pelvic floor, and the orthopedic physical therapist, we're just strictly looking at a low back or a hip, and they're missing the component of the pelvic floor. I really take both sides and combine them into each other to have a comprehensive approach. Even like, for instance, this past week, I had a patient come in, her thoracic spine, so her mid-back, kind of where your bra line is at, mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. actually then throwing the low back off, which then was throwing the pelvic floor off, which then was causing, causing some hip bursitis and then causing some muscles internally on the pelvic floor to be really restricted and tight. That was like an after effect of the pelvic floor being tight, but really the root cause was actually upper in the spine and the thoracic spine. That's just like one example that you really wanna look for the root cause here. That's an interesting point you made, Dr. Kelly. 
What other reasons should someone seek support from you with awful pelvic PT? What ailments, what symptoms, what are we coming there for? What kind of problems are you supporting us with? Yeah, I know this is a great question. So basically anyone that, we see a lot of postpartum, we see a lot of postpartum athletes with leakage. We see a lot of like DRA, which the abdominals separate because a lot of my, the new moms want their abs to come back and be able to understand how to control their abdominals and carry their baby. We also see a lot of SI pain, hip pain, low back pain. That's the orthopedic side. We then see a lot of IC, endometriosis. IC is interstitial cystitis, which is basically painful bladder syndrome. We see people with pain with intercourse. They want to be able to have intercourse with their husband to and female because we see male and females, by the way. This is not just a female issue. Let me just state that. That's so wonderful. we see erectile dysfunction. We see the list goes on. And on. There's so much stuff. Wow. There's just a slew of basically anything of the pelvis <laughs> in that region. <laughs> we treat it. Wow. You mentioned that a little bit on abdomen and you mentioned on pregnancy. Can you just elaborate a little bit on what you focus when it comes to the pregnancy? Yeah. So when it comes to pregnancy, we people all the way through their pregnancy journey, our motto is you have to train for pregnancy during, before they're even pregnant, we kind of prep them. And then all the way through that, that cycle of during their pregnancy. And then even after, so basically if someone was pregnant, depending on where we start in that journey with them, we see them, I help them understand if their abdominals are connecting. I always say like, put your baby back in bowl because a lot of times the abdominals get stretched mm. and the abdominal muscles stop working. They don't know yeah. how to work. And so what happens then now the patient now is complaining of low back pain. If I teach them how to carry their baby, especially with a growing belly, there's a lot less sciatic pain that happens for people. There's a lot less low back pain. There's just a lot of basically a lot of better support for them so that they can continue on with whatever daily activities without having to feel uncomfortable and without being limited in the daily tasks that they can do. Would that include anyone who's had C-section? Yeah, uh, so, yeah so that's the postpartum phase would okay. be basically if they had a C-section, we start seeing them between three to six weeks, depending on how birth went or the cesarean went. And then basically we would start working their abdominals, like the, the scar. So we do scar mobilization. So sometimes I'll do some cupping. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with that. Slightly. Um, a little bit. Yeah. So cupping is basically where it's like old Chinese medicine where you put a cup and I'll pull at the incision to help the fascia, which fascia, mm -hmm. think of it like when you peel an orange and you have that white spiderweb stuff that surrounds that, that's fascia. So that's going to hold the muscles kind of secure and tight. And a lot of times with the C-section scar, we have to kind of unpeel those layers. There's five different layers that they cut through and sew up when you have a C-section. These C-sections can cause pain, cause pelvic pain. It can actually cause leakage because of the pressure and the, the what do you call it, the scar gets right. adhered and it's right above the bladder and it can adhere to the bladder and cause issues as well. So we really like to work those scars as soon as we possibly can in a safe way, especially in the postpartum phase. Wow, I, I wish I had known you at that time. <laughs> yeah. So even during pregnancy, we even work their abdominals a lot. We show them how to lift. Sometimes people will have, it's a, 
It's a diagnosis called pubic symphysis dysfunction, where the pubic bone will split because of a growing pelvis because of the laxity. We have to stabilize the pelvis because every time they're walking up and down stairs or they're sidestepping or whatever it might be, the whole pelvis shears and it's very painful. We support that during pregnancy so that they can at least like do daily tasks. Uh, you mentioned a little bit on pain from sciatica. When we have, how do you support people who the postpartum or the post-pregnancy when it comes to the sciatic pain? And even if you haven't been pregnant, those who go through the severe sciatica pain and they don't want to opt for surgery, yeah, so sciatica is a very, very common issue, no matter if you're pregnant or not, and we treat a lot of it. Even let's just start with during pregnancy. During pregnancy, you can do something about it. A lot of times, depending on baby's position, that could have a factor. But there are like nerve glides that we can do where we like extend the legs out and basically put tension on the nerve, take tension off the nerve, and that helps the nerve glide and not be stuck. We can get it unstuck so that it stops causing that compression. So that's one thing during pregnancy that we start to look at. And then afterwards, a lot of times looking at the abdominal strengthening is really big and looking at functional tasks. So I always say, and this is, a, I think, a really important task, you cannot out-exercise whatever task that you are doing repetitively. Let's just say I am bending down, picking up my kids' toys three hours a day, and right. I'm really with like a rounded back and I'm not sticking my hips out. Well, then that's gonna put compression on the spine, which then overall can like maybe herniate a disc. And then the disc can put compression on the nerve, the sciatic nerve, and then that can cause issues. If you just do 30 reps of ab exercises, well, that's not, you're not gonna out exercise the repetitive task. Here at Orthopelvic, we really look at all your functional tasks that you're doing throughout your day. We get a whole daily list. Like we go through a whole thing of, what is your what does your day look like? And then we break down each of those tasks to be very task specific. And we watch you do that task and then make adjustments to that too. And I think that is a huge component of someone's like healing journey. Hmm. Stretching in general, regarding the birth, the third trimester, what do you have to say when it comes to just getting ready for that opportunity for you to be strengthened? Yeah, so this is a really good take that I think a lot of people um, miss as well. So at 34 weeks, pelvic health physical therapists are able to stretch the vaginal canal to prep for birth. Now, some people may just already know that they're having C-section. Well, then this is probably not for them. But if someone is trying to have a vaginal birth, then right. I always say definitely start with a pelvic health physical therapist at 34 weeks. And really, basically what we do is insert our finger transvaginally, just one finger, into the vaginal canal very superficially, so really like on the outside pretty much. And then we're pulling very gently at the vaginal opening and around the whole vulva to stretch the tissue to then prep that area for birth to decrease the risk of tearing as well. It really is helpful. Regarding the pelvic health, is there anything when it comes to pregnancy that is? Yeah, so basically I, every single person should be evaluated by a pelvic health physical therapist. And let me say this. So when you go, and this is postpartum I'm actually talking okay. about. When okay. you go to your OBGYN, they do a really good job of looking at the incisions and seeing every, everything's healed. That's what they do a really good job of, job of postpartum. 
However, what they don't do is they're not trained to perform a muscular skeletal exam. Only pelvic health physical therapists are trained to do that. They miss the component of being released and getting back to activities because they're not even assessing the activities. You just go in at six weeks and they say, mm, go ahead, you're cleared. You can do whatever. Well, they're not even assessing how your muscles are functioning. They're not even assessing where you're at currently. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of moms that will just go right back into CrossFit at six weeks. And then they come in like at eight weeks. And they're like, Kelly, I felt like my whole bladder was falling out because they haven't been assessed by a pelvic health physical therapist to understand how the pelvic floor muscles are functioning, how their abdominals are functioning, what load can they take on? And are they then applying lots of pressure down to their pelvic floor to end up with a prolapse? And we also treat those as well. Prolapse basically means where your bladder or your uterus is coming down through the vaginal canal and you feel like this heavy pressure, yeah. that would be a prolapse. And you can also get a rectal prolapse, which is called a rectocele where if someone was really constipated, we treat this as well, constipation, then it can kind of bulge into the vaginal canal and stool will kind of collect there as well. So there's a, yeah, so there's a lot of things that I honestly believe, and it doesn't even have to be me, every single woman out there should be evaluated by a pelvic health physical therapist, I would say at three to six weeks postpartum to understand how their, how their new body is functioning and what activities that they can get back to safely. And I don't like to scare anyone, but just safely so that they know where they're at and then they can go from there. No, it's more of a safety protocol that you're trying yeah. to communicate and mm -hmm. to prevent future injuries on yourself. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Dr. Kelly, is there any kind of preventive measures you can maybe suggest to our ladies? Yeah. So basically, I want to state this too. Don't be afraid to work your abdominals all the way through pregnancy and beyond. There are these big myths out there. Um, and this is where DRA comes into play. It's diastasis rectus abdominis that we treat. And a lot of people will have diastasis rectus abdominis at 35 gestational weeks. So when someone's pregnant, what it means is the your six pack will split apart. This is a normal thing. It's because of growing babies inside and everything kind of splits, right? So when that happens, and then in the postpartum phase, all the moms want their abs to be back. But what I think the, the real talk should be is that why do you want your abdominals back? Do you want it because of the look aspect, which is completely fine, but you can, people don't realize this is you can still have a six pack and not have to have your abs be back together. They can still be a little bit more separated, but you can hundred percent. I have many examples, especially on my Instagram page of six packs, but their abs are not back together like this. They're just a little bit more separated and that's okay. And you can function like that. You just have to know how to control the pressure. And what I mean by that is we don't want to see any coning or doming. Like little kids, you'll see this in their belly where like something kind of pops out by their belly button. And you're like, wow, uh -huh. or older men that have weaker mm -hmm. abs. You'll see this thing that like kind of pops out. That means that they have lost pressure and that they could be potentially more susceptible to having a hernia, which is an actual hole in the fascia that is separating when the abs are kind of pulling apart there. Yeah, we teach people how to, we teach people how to work with this and not be afraid to do abdominal exercises or not be afraid to lift because they have a separation in their abdominals 
And people still to this day think that they should not do ab work when they have a diastasis rectus abdominis. And that's not true. You really want to be assessed by a pelvic health physical therapist and then know what your options are and what you can do like workout wise and even like kid wise, how to lift kids and stuff like that. So there is help out there for that. Also support men. Do you mind elaborating a little bit on what type of support they come to you in terms of seeking that support, the programs you may have for them? Yeah, no, it's a, so males have a pelvic floor too. It's the exact same as a female, except of course, different parts, but those different parts, like for instance, the clitoris for us is the male's tip of their penis. So we do actually have the same parts. It's just sometimes things are longer or shorter. So it is all the same pelvic floor. So the number one diagnosis that we see in males, it's called chronic prostatitis. And really it's a misdiagnosis. It's kind of like um, UTI like symptoms. And we also treat for females, a lot of UTIs, but basically they are diagnosed with chronic prostatitis and they think that the prostate is then inflamed and that's not the case. So the doctor will put them on many rounds of antibiotics, nothing clears up, they still have pain with urination, just like us females would have with the UTI. And they think, Oh, my gosh, something's really wrong with them. And then they walk into the office, and they're all like, very scared. And, you know, because they're going to pelvic health office, they don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And basically, we lengthen their pelvic floor, and their symptoms go away. So they don't have burning with pain, they don't have burning with intercourse. We see a lot of guys like that, or with erectile dysfunction. And these are young guys, these are anywhere between the ages of 20 to 45. We treat very young. I feel like our population is very young. So it's not like someone that's older. We also treat for leakage, post-prostate exam or post-prostate cancer. We also treat, they, people have leakage with that as well. So we'll treat many people with that. So yeah, there's just same issues as a female. Guess what? Males can have the same thing. We treat a lot of weightlifters as well and their pelvic floor will get very tight and cause them pelvic pain, like right by their anus area and they can't sit for long periods of time. We treat pudendal neuralgia, which is where the pudendal nerve gets aggravated from bikers, like from a bike seat. That's true. Yeah, and so like a male's pelvis is smaller than a female, so that's very mm. common in our male population. Mm. Um, so then that nerve will get compressed, just like the sciatic nerve feeds all the way down the leg. The right. pudendal nerve actually feeds right directly into the pelvic floor region. So if anyone has burning in the pelvic floor region, it's actually the pudendal nerve and not the sciatic nerve. Oh so. my goodness. You mentioned about age. Have you noticed that there's certain age that has different health issues that you seek support or is it just across the board when it comes to the age? It doesn't matter whether you're 65 plus or 20 years, 30s or teenagers. Thank you. What about H? Yeah, that's a great question. I have a lot of my moms coming in here. Oh, it's because I had kids. It's because I had kids. Okay. Well, not necessarily. Like, so for instance, let's talk about prolapse, which is again, the vag, the uterus or bladder is dropping into the vaginal canal. And males have it too, by the way, they can have a prolapse. Their rectum can come out through their anus from lifting too heavy weights. I've had some of those too. Age does not discriminate, I always say. People before they were pregnant, and people after they were pregnant, or even before they were pregnant, let's just start with that. At, let's just say a gymnast, for instance, is 70% likely to have a prolapse before they even got pregnant. 
my mom's come in here and say, oh, I have leakage or I have prolapse because of this. Well, it's not necessarily that. It really doesn't discriminate. So we see all age ranges. I have people that are anywhere between the ages of 14, 15, 16 that can't even put a tampon in because it's so painful. Uh-huh. And I don't do vaginal exams on the younger on the younger kids. But those people, we can also help as well to just be able to learn how to relax their pelvic floor, to just be able to go to school because they can tolerate putting a tampon in, continue on their day and not be worried about having leakage and stuff like that. So, yeah. So back to age, age, it doesn't really matter. We see all ranges of people. Wow. Amazing. Now, are there patients that you may not see for any health concern reasons or any and all are acceptable? you? Yeah, so we see anyone that has any kind of dysfunction, really, it doesn't even have to be pain. People, I think, think you have to go see a physical therapist if you're in pain, but that's not the case. If you want to be more functional with whatever movement you are doing, that is a reason to see a physical therapist. Okay, so like, if I want to be able to lift heavier weight in CrossFit, and I'm stuck at this weight, because I my biomechanics are off, well, go see a physical therapist. They will teach you how to perform a lifting task that you're more efficient in, and then you're able to lift heavier weight. Doesn't necessarily have to be pain, and it also be, can be preventative. I always say patients need tune-ups. We also believe in that as well, that tune-ups are really good. Hey, you know what? I just don't I feel a little off. My running stride is feeling a little funky. It's kind of a little twi- uh, twisting my knee a little bit, and it might be off. So that is a factor here this is all interesting by the way and i could talk on and on about this now you mentioned a little bit about cupping what other programs do you have that sort of at a high level when i was looking over your website you had something about dry needling balance training of course the cupping is there any are there patients that need one type of therapy based upon what their concerns are I start kind of at the lower level and then build up from there. So I start with hands-on, a lot of manual therapy. And then if I need to integrate cupping, if I need to integrate dry needling, that's kind of like a level up. So I start just lower on that tier and then progress my way from there. When it comes to the physical therapy for themselves in terms of making sure that they are taking care of their body from being injury prone during the recreational activities, during sports, or when you're pregnant, are there any preventive measures that they from injuries happening? Yes, there's lots of different things. And so basically it's very patient, very patient specific. So basically depending on what their issue is that they're having, we kind of just assess that and then go from there and say, okay, this is the treatment plan. We come up with a treatment plan for that. When it comes to the treatment plan, are there longevity of when it comes to whether it's three to eight weeks, 12-week program, or it just depends on the patient, I'm assuming, or the injury? Yeah, it just depends on the patient and injury. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, distinguish. So that's why we do an evaluation, and then we go from there. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Kelly. This is amazing. Uh, is there no anything problem. else that I haven't covered or maybe you'd like to cover that we haven't addressed already? No, I think this has been great and hopefully very educational for everyone. You've been great. You've been wonderful. And I am sure the listeners have a vast understanding about pelvic therapy and they will seek your support. I'm sure they're going to reach out to you and your website. We will provide that as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me.